Hey folks, Andy Sido here. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar, but not so fast. Let's try it one more time with a different theme song, just for fun. Hey folks, Andy Sido here, and welcome to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. My guest today is Joe Blow, and we're so glad that you're here. kind of cool right something and just a little bit different and if we did go with this theme song this new theme song and more i'll explain why in a minute because it's it's uh there's a practical reason for it but if i were to go with this new theme song i've also got a shorter version that sounds like this That version is about the same length as the previous theme song. And if you're familiar with this podcast and my music, you know that the theme song that's been used for the last 57 episodes is uh, a very short snippet of my song Secret Rodeo, which came out on the 2018 album Reasons for Departure. I also use a clip... Um, of who I want to be as interview music, intro and or outro music off the same album and off of an EP that came out last May called Wicked Dreams. I use a short snippet of my song Wicked Dreams. They're my songs. I can do what I want with them, right? Right? Well, yes, I assume so. But they are registered with Performing Rights Organization. Um, They're trackable songs. They have ISRC codes. And the reason I bring this all up is... Um, you know, several weeks ago now, I guess it's been a couple months, I teamed up with Chris Kay's Colorado Playlist. Chris Kay's been on the podcast twice now, and it's just a, a wonderful conversation. But I chop up um, an eight-minute segment of this show every week, if it's a Colorado artist, um, and I, I take that edited eight-minute version and send it to Chris Kay, and he plays it as a part of the Colorado Playlist, which is a two-hour show, and in one of the hours... He plays Middle Class Rockstar, eight minutes of it. And then he plays a song from the artist I interview. So it's a really cool way to promote Colorado music. And again, this is not a Colorado music podcast specifically, but the Colorado artists, you know, we're trying to spread the word out. And Chris K, uh, Chris K's Colorado playlist gets broadcast on, I think, 26 different stations around Colorado, FM stations. So This show gets aired all over Colorado now, at least eight minutes of it. Anyway, the radio gods were flagging my songs. They're like, hey, wait a minute. Within eight minutes, radio is playing Wicked Dreams, Secret Rodeo, and Who I Want to Be by Andy Sido. You can't do that. You can't play three songs from the same person in eight minutes. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Um, Chris K would would be able to explain it. And next time I have him on the podcast... We'll kind of delve into some more radio stuff because he's just an absolute genius um, with radio. He's been on the air for, you know, 40 years. But anyway, I had to change the music of Middle Class Rockstar for Chris K's Colorado Playlist show. So my eight-minute segment now has different theme music. And it's music that I created specifically for for the, the podcast. It's not registered. It's not out there. It's not in a music library. You can't license it. It is just music made for the podcast and that's it. So 
Now it's got me wondering, do I just keep using the same music I've been using for the full-length podcast that you're listening to now, or do I switch up the theme song? Long explanation, I know, but I'd love your input. Please let me know on any social media platform, Instagram, Andy Sitto Band. I'm on Facebook. I've got an email, middleclassrockstar@gmail.com. Hit me up. Let me know what you think. I'd be really interested in your input. But I've created some fun stuff with this potential new theme song, including this little bumper I can use. Let's, uh, let's give it an example. Now, my conversation with Joe Blow. Kind of cute, right? We could have some fun with the new theme song. I've been having some fun with it. So anyway, let me know what you think. Shoot me an email, comment <laughs> comment on, in Apple Podcasts, whatever. Let me know what you think. Should I switch the theme song um, for the podcast in general or leave it how it is? Okay, done with that. Let's move on. We'll keep things relatively the same for today. Um, I mentioned in last week's episode, I think, that I tested positive for COVID, and I did this interview shortly after doing that monologue, same day, in fact. So I interviewed Andy. It's my my second day um, since the since the diagnosis, and so far I'm okay. I think I've had symptoms for a few days. Um, I've got some sinuses today, and a little, you know, I had a little bit of a headache a couple of days ago. But the weird thing is, um, I can't take, I can't smell anything. Um, so eating's eating is very interesting because I'm having to find joy in the feel of the food and really try to listen to my taste buds because I, you know, you don't realize how much of what you taste is your nose. But I can't smell anything. I, if I put my nose in a jar of peanut butter, nothing. Uh, a fresh poop from our dog in the living room, which happened the other morning. Nothing. Um, that was one of the perks. Anyway, I'm missing that sense. We talk about it a little bit in the episode, and uh, and I'm excited to get it back. So, <laughs> anyway, but so far so good, and um, you know, hope everybody's staying safe out there. My guest today is Andy Epler. It's always nice to have a fellow Andy on the show. Um, and we had a, we just had a, a great conversation. He's, a, I would say, a very unique energy with a very unique and bright outlook on the world. Um, he promotes his two philosophies, the yes voice and noble hedonism. And he is an artist uh, in the complete sense. He does it all. Um, he's not just a, a songwriter and a musician and a producer. He does all of his recording at home. He produces everything. He also... Um, does these brilliant watercolor paintings, and it's not amateur. It's not amateur stuff, people. If you go to Andy Epler's website, andyepler.com, I believe it is, and there's a link in the show notes too. Uh, you can see his paintings; they're just magnificent. He does watercolor? He does liquid light. Um, he's even started doing some erotic film work uh, in the last couple years, which we chat about in the episode too. Um, but he's had a solo project for a long time. He also had a project with his ex-wife called the Prairie Scholars. Um, grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and and moved to Colorado in 2009, and he's here for the time being. Um, since COVID started, he's put out uh, 130 episodes of his Facebook Live show, The Hippie Report, Smokeout Show. And basically, that was my introduction to Andy, as I, as I saw it. Maybe I'd... Maybe we'd somehow cyber-met before this, but I remember when COVID started seeing these shows come up, every day or two um, called the hippie report. And it was basically Andy sitting there um, smoking 
and talking about whatever he wanted for however long he wanted to. And <laughs> Anyway, cool concept. And his newest album came out in 2022. He released it. And we're going to listen to a couple songs off of, off of that. Uh, to start off the episode, we're going to listen to Much Less Under. And to end the episode, we're going to listen to his song, I Want to Get High Forever. And like I said, he's recorded these all at home. The album's called Broke Down Deluxe. There's significant production. It's great production. And also, he includes the instrumental tracks of these songs in the album. So he's got the full version. He's got the instrumental version. There's an intro. There's a mid-tro. There's an outro. It's uh, it's cool stuff. It's funky. Tom Waitsy. Um, a lot of different influences in there. So um, anyhow, we're going to listen to Much Less Under and get started with the show. Oh, and really quick before we jump in, if you want to support um, in a monetary way, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W, and you can help out for as little as $3 a month. That's less than the price of a cup of coffee, and that helps me keep my music career going, keeps the podcast going, and you get some cool perks for it too. Um, if you want to help out but are not in, in a position to do so in a monetary way, totally cool. Rate and review this podcast wherever you do that. Um, Apple Podcasts, whatever, or subscribe to the YouTube channel and leave a comment, youtube.com slash Andy Sitto. All of these episodes go up on YouTube as videos as well. So that's that. Uh, thanks for listening, and let's jump into the show. I want to take a quick second to say thanks to our wonderful sponsors. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any audio or restoration needs, you can go to www.pqmastering.com. Also, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing on music, go to narratorrf.com. Here's Much Less Under from Andy Epler. Wonder. Goodness sakes alive, what do 
Greetings, fellow Andy. Yes. Awesome. You know, awesome. that could be a podcast in itself. You could be Andy. You should take this idea. You could be Andy, and all you do is interview Andys. Wow. I think I'd run out of people pretty quick. Um, it's not a name people go by very often, it seems to me. They choose the other names. There, there are other names that could be this name. First of all, Andy's a bullshit name. I'm sorry. This is our truth. It's because it's, what is it? It's the shortened version of a different name. Oh, right. what's the other name? Must be so long. No, it's Andrew, two syllables. Right. Oh, sure. what's the shortened version? Andy, two syllables. What have we changed? Just, just a spelling difference? It's not like, usually right. it's like, your name is Gregory. So we call you Greg. And are you not even, you're not truly shortening it, right? I mean, Drew. No. That is part of Andrew, but Andy, you've got that extra letter on there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous name. And um, so I've always, I was, I went by that as a child. And, and I'm, even I feel like I'm not quite pretentious enough to be a Drew. And I feel like I'm not intelligent enough to be an Andrew. And I've, I feel trapped in this clown like persona. Yeah. You know, as an Andy. As an well, you know, you could interview uh, that kid from Toy Story who's probably like thirty-eight now. Oh, that'd be a great conversation because we have very similar childhoods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, you don't you don't always go by Andy. You, who's Andy and who's Ando? Yeah, I I have a different name I go by sometimes, and um, that is um, oh boy, what is the best way to get into that? Um, that is a, a tool I use. Um, a persona, after all, means mask. So it means you're really something else. So when you're choosing to be yourself, really you are choosing a self to be is kind of what that is. So helps me to, to kind of like summon different parts of myself. And um, there was this experience I had um, in my garden where I was on this mystical um, meditative retreat that, that weekend in my back garden. 
and I was having a, a beautiful vision of the world. And I, I realized the things I was just saying before. And I, I kind of had this ego shattering experience. And through that sort of, I don't know, gave myself permission to create this other version of myself who was more carefree, even more open and, and unconcerned and not attached to outcomes. And this kind of like perfect tool for creating art, especially visual art, because it's very silly. My, my, my art's silly. And um, Ando makes it silly way. Um, so like, I, it's like that, um, it's like that biblical story where there's this guy named Saul and he's persecuting all the Christians and he's a bad guy and he gets confronted by God in this story and like God strikes him blind and all this story, story, story. And then he changes right through the story and becomes this beautiful prophet of God. And when he changes, he changes his name, but like the version we get, he only changes one letter of his name. It's called the Damascus road experience. You could look right. it up. So Saul bad guy changes to Paul who ends up writing most of the new Testament, by the way. Do you think so they like, got that idea from Darth Vader and Anakin? Yeah. I think it's sort of like, yeah. <laughs> so my thing is sort of like the Damascus road experience. I kind of had this shattering experience and decided to sort of quarantine off part of my personality so that I could better make my work. His name is Ando is even sillier than Andy. Well, and so is and is Ando always in this meditative state that you found? No, it's just like a, um, it's like getting in the mood to make art and just kind of getting in that free accepting space. And I just call that mood Ando. And he right. makes most of the visual work we call Ando's domain. Andy Epler is a longtime music producer takes it very seriously. Ando's not allowed in the studio, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, when it's time to draw funny people with like the, the silly expressions and shit, that I don't want to, you know, that seems like a waste of time if I'm working from the wrong mindset. Yeah. Behold, it is. But like, Ando can take it seriously and play, you know? It's like my child, my inner child, but I, it's not child, it grew up but it's still that vibe, you know, that's end up. I think that's so interesting that you have this way of, I mean, you are both these people, but you have a way of channeling something different right now, you know, sure. and, Hey, right now I'm Ando or, or Peter or whatever, you know, and that's a different person. That's really cool that you can, that you can find that within yourself. It's a really useful tool. And um, I literally got the idea from, I grew up religious and uh, I'm well-educated on Christianity. Um, so that's kind of where I got the idea, basically, that, like, you know, you make a little change, and it's, it's, it's this new tool. I read this book by Edward DeBono, and the book is called The Thinking Hats. Mm. And it's about, like, you know, being in the right mindset for the task at hand. And, like, okay, so, like, you're at work, you're the boss of this office you know 
you have to think a certain way. You got your boss hat on. Perfect. But if you go home to the kids and you don't take off boss hat and put on mom hat or whatever, you're fucking up because you're thinking the wrong way in your situation. So that's kind of like what DeBano's book is about. Wow. That's just like generally a useful thing for an artist to know. Kind of like how to drive the machine that is their brain, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you still a religious person? No. Like, no. But, but um, I consider myself a, um, a studier of the mystery. You know, but I leave room for like mystery and I don't pretend to know very much, but yeah. I can pretty much tell when some shit's bullshit. That's, and like, I'm gr- like, I'm very well educated on Christianity. I can speak with some authority on it, I think. And like, it's just like anything, any other religion. It's just some story trying to explain something no one understands. Yeah. Sure. And did, did, where did that Christian upbringing come from? I mean, I know that you grew up in Lubbock. That's a very, uh, it's a very godlike town. <laughs> I mean, my, my fiance, my fiance, my fiance went to Texas tech. Oh, well, I, you know, man, you better hope God ain't like those fellers. <laughs> I mean, it's a very conservative place. A very conservative place. It's like, Bill Maher's go-to town to make fun of conservatism, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bummer. Yeah, it's famous also. Here's some yes boys. It's it's also famous because Buddy Holly is from there. Right. Yeah. Oh, I've I've done the grave. I've done the grave site, the museum, the whole thing. Oh, all right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And Mac Davis, who we love. Okay. He's from there. Waylon Jennings, just up the road. Just up the road, not all bad in town, okay? Not all bad. But also they ran all those motherfuckers out of town and like almost threatened to kill them and shit. Whatever, whatever. We put that away, put that away. Yeah, yeah. Lubbock, Texas, very conservative town. I didn't belong there, but I was sort of like birthed there by the simulation here, you know? Yeah, That's a, you didn't have much, much to say on that. No, and I would have voted against it, frankly. <laughs> some good there. There, what, what, what was some positives that you got out of it? Did you go see music at the Blue Light, or you know, sure. what was what was good? The best part was my childhood. It really was because when you're a child, you really you have this bubble of of context, and you really you've heard people complain before, but you haven't let it get into your mind that the world is like any particular way, really. You're just having a day when you're a kid. Yeah. I had a bunch of great fucking days, man. I got to tell you, I had a yeah. bunch of great days. <laughs> um, I, and I played with my action figures, you know, like Andy from Toy Story. Yeah. I was an action figure kid. Okay. And my best friend, David, he was an action figure kid. And he's my first kind of storytelling partner. We had big, big, epic stories. We loved it. And I was sort of a loner kid, you know. My parents and family watched TV a lot. I was upstairs playing with toys. Loved it. I would still play with toys, but like I'm busy and being a grown-up. Yeah, right, right. You can make music and things, other things that normal adults do. Yeah, yeah. Although I totally, <laughs> I totally did do a project with my old action figures and my dad's action figures. 
I, I made a graphic novel by taking pictures of them and making a layout. Wow. And uh, I made it for my little nephew who lives down in Lubbock still. And, um, you know, I'm not, I, I live up here in Colorado, so I don't exactly, I'm not around a lot, right? Yeah. So I made him this huge graphic novel. It's, I, I don't know, it must be like 300 pages of graphic novel. And like Batman stories, and it's got like, fuck, it's got like uh, Luke Skywalker and, you know, yeah. you know, all the good shit. And cowboys, and, right. and Batman rides a horse. It's the shit. It's the best ever. Yeah. I made that project for my nephew, and they're like, as he's grown up over the last few years, they've been like his bedtime stories, right? Yeah. So adorable project, worthy uncle project, but what the reality was, was me like smoking weed a lot and then getting out in the garden, getting action figures and posing them by the rose bush or whatever, like they're punching each other, what the fuck You ever. do a lot of things in your garden, I've noticed, in the last 10 minutes of knowing you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I do a lot in my garden. It's one of my only resources. Yeah, you know, I, I rent this house. I've been in this house about 10 years and, um, you know, I've got room to record and I've got a garden. So I, I that's, use all, that's all you need. You've got food and you've got you got food for your soul and food for your belly. Yeah, man. I grow food out in my garden, but it's mostly a flower garden. Wow. I, I prefer petunias and things like lavender or holy basil beside my yeah. window, for instance. It's a kind of a lot of little flower beds and walking paths. Yeah. I do art shows out there in the, in the normal times or around. You know, it's been a wonderful time. time oh yeah, oh, I work hard, <laughs> I work hard on that garden. That's awesome. Um, it's a good practice. And um, it's, it's uh, locally known as the Yes Garden, you know? The Yes Garden. Well, and I wanna get into those philosophies in just a second. I. Oh. Um, I've brought up Lubbock because, because I have a personal connection there. I've been there several times and yeah. because, uh, you know, in, I think it was your debut album, uh, 2007, there is no underground. You've got a song called Lubbock, Texas. And there's the line, why won't you kiss me Lubbock, Texas? I've been as true as any man can be. And it's sort of a love song about how this pretty girl Lubbock, is not giving you the time of day, but this other pretty gal, Colorado, maybe is, and and you're still here to this day. So you, yeah. this is your home now, yeah? It has been. I've been up here since 2009. Oh man, you did a lot of research. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it. I've been up here since about 2009, and um, yeah, I love I love Longmont. That's where I live. Yeah. Uh, and I love Boulder County. It's wonderful. Um, I've been here since then. Um, I don't know what my future is. I'm I'm not exactly monogamous with towns or anything like that, you know? Yeah. But uh, it would be hard to leave completely, you know? If you were going to move somewhere else in February, uh, where would it be? Paris. Paris. Yeah. I liked it there. I went there in uh, 2019 and I stayed there for like uh, four nights and uh, I had craziest time. I made a bunch of friends. I got into all kinds of trouble. It was good. It was a good time. I'd go hang out there again. What, uh, what brought you home? 
Um, well, I have a cat to take care of, you know, and, uh, you know, a life or whatever. Yeah. Um, I was there for, I was in Paris for like four nights and then I went to Italy for a few weeks and then flew back home from Paris. So I did one bonus night at the end. Uh, and I'll never try it another way. I, w- I will enter and leave Europe through Paris. Thank you very much. Every time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's just so cheap to get around once you get over there. I loved it. I had a great time. Like, oh, I perked up when you mentioned it. Yeah, I loved it. Right. That's awesome. I've never been. Um, see, not too many people claim uh, to have their own philosophies that they've founded or come up with, though probably everybody has, you know, yeah. just worded differently. But um, you've got your yes voice, number one, and noble hedonism, not to be confused with heathenism, mm-hmm. right? Correct. <laughs> what yeah, are, hedonism. Yeah, yeah. H-E-D yeah. for the listeners. Yeah, like the studying the pleasures of the world. Right, not the uh, what the pagan religion or something. No, not necessarily. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I hesitate to use religion, although I don't know. The the sun seems very powerful. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I the the yes voice. Yeah. These are all just sort of philosophies that I've sort of developed for myself to use as sort of my own little tools my other one that i have is called the loose grip and you kind of like there's this idea like um you can the noble way to hold truth is with an open hand right yeah um because like if you think you know the truth especially about like the universe or whatever like the one thing you can know is that you're just so wrong whatever you think you're wrong whatever you think you're wrong yeah so like that's sort of like the chaos of our situation. So loose grips, real important are like relationships. If you don't have like a loose grip with that other person, you might find yourself manipulating them to like get them to stick around or whatever it is. You could find like the darkness in you starting to like pull someone in and like this ignoble way, you know? Absolutely. I study, you know, pleasure um like for instance uh perfumes i've really over the years learned a lot about perfumes and collected them because my nose isn't just for sniffing farts yeah for like studying the world and a lot of my memory is connected to my fragrance detector here you know a lot of as you may know yeah (laughs) losing your sense of smell you probably food tastes different. Your whole experience really is different. I I didn't real well. I've I've always, you know, I I relate to that when you know certain smells make me think of certain times of my life, um, you know, and it's it's uh it's a powerful sense. But now that I it's totally gone, um, I'm missing it in a whole in a whole different way. You know, and hopefully I'll get it back soon. Uh, some like um. I've done experiments where I'll have like a a big mystical ceremony that I'm doing for myself, um, like on a camping trip or something. And I will drench myself in a certain perfume and really make sure I sniff it a lot and really ingest it and and be in that moment. And then the next time I'm in my normal life and I smell that perfume, I can't help but kind of go on that neural ride back to that memory, you know? 
Yeah. So I wonder if your situation, it'll be like the opposite where it's like, anytime you're in a room that just smells like nothing or whatever, you'd be like, remember when I couldn't smell anything though? Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. It's crazy. Well, and it it is, I guess, a, a common COVID symptom. Yeah. And it can take people anywhere from 20 days to six months to some people haven't gotten it back yet, which scares the crap out of me. Right. Um, but I've, I mean, I l- literally, to put it in perspective, I mean, I've, I've gone around the house cause we have a bunch of different candle flavors, stick my nose in the candles every day, just to check, stick my nose in a jar of peanut butter, hot sauce. I mean, I wouldn't know if the house was burning down. Wow. So I, yeah, I mean, that's smell is a powerful, uh, a powerful scent to lose. I don't know. There's lots of, there's some upsides also. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, this voice practice teaches me to try and like punctuate with some like positive ideas. Yeah. Changing baby diapers. That's no problem. Right. You know no, problem. no problem. No problem. Taking out the trash to the dumpster. There's no downside to this. You know what I mean? No no trash cans. You'll never even notice. I enjoy it now. In fact, I enjoy walking to the dumpster. Do you feel like a superhero? You know, like Superman is suddenly uh, invulnerable to kryptonite. You know, I mean, well, I had a good laugh yesterday morning because our dog Maggie has only ever had two accidents since we got her in July. And one of them was bad driver. What kind of dog is she? She is. Uh, a mutt, many, many different things. We got, uh, we did a test and she's got like some miniature poodle and some lab and some terrier. And she's just like the best thing that's ever happened to us. We love her, but she poor thing had, had to poo. I don't even know if it was her fault. I mean, I was, I was really sick and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she took a shit in the living room Mm. and Allie walked out a little while later and said, you didn't think to clean up the poop. And I said, what poop? And, uh, and I just chuckled and walked back into my room because it wasn't bothering me any. <laughs> See? All upside. I hear upside. Yeah. I like it. That's the yes voice right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe how they say sometimes you have to accept the things you cannot change. Yeah. There's, that's a powerful tool by itself, even just that phrase. Yeah. But the yes voice thing is more like a, I want to fulfill my destiny by creating because the universe is a creative force. And when I create, I feel somehow in tune with the universe. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does that, does that help you with your art? Because you're, you're uh, such a well-rounded artist. I mean, you do so many different types of things. You're a songwriter, uh, you're a producer, you're a visual artist, right? You do uh, watercolor, liquid light. You do uh, film work. I mean, you're just an all-around. There's art behind you in the background there. So it almost seems like you, you know, it's an occupation for a lot of people. I am a sax player. I am a songwriter, etc. You are just this aura of art, you know. So do these philosophies help you in in life and in your creating? Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm here to make art. Um, and that it is a lifestyle for me. Um, so everything I do, I'm kind of doing to facilitate that destiny, which I've kind of chosen for myself. It's yeah. sort of an open-ended choice. 
like it could mean so much. It's been amazing the different art forms I've found. But as a person with ADHD, um, my brain is also deficient in dopamine. And so like dipping into new art forms really gets me off and like ways that like other things don't. And the creative process, the surprise of it, the kind of like, I think I know how this project is gonna go and I'm always wrong and I'm always delighted. And yeah. that process is like completely addicting and I get the biggest dopamine dump possible from that. Yeah. I've tried like drugs, I've tried things. If making art is the best thing for me. And I just, um, I've picked it to do my life this time. That's what I'm gonna do. And who cares how it goes? Which, <laughs> let's talk about a few of the different, um, a few of the different art forms. I guess first the music, because you released, um, you have a bunch of releases out, both, you were doing full length albums, 2007, eight, nine, 11. Uh, and then there was a bunch of singles in like an EP, I think. And then another full length that you just put out in 2020. And yeah. that's called Broke Down Deluxe. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, that's, that's sort of like um, the first album I've made in a long time as a solo artist um, because there's a huge break since I think my last solo album was in like 2011. So almost 10 years later, but during that time, I put out a bunch of product with uh, a band called the Prairie Scholars with my ex-wife. Okay. Um, and so I think, I don't know, there must have been six or eight albums there one of them like the culmination of that band was um in 2014 with this uh double album called the good old days now yeah and it was about our community and it was like this beautiful happy joyous you know clinking our beers over the fire kind of an album yeah and uh, then, of course, um, not married to that person anymore. So I wanted to keep doing music, but I, you know, don't want to necessarily make with that band anymore. Reasonably so, there are only two motherfuckers in the band after all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I kind of like started working on solo stuff, but at first, the like I think that was I started working on Broke Down Deluxe in 2017. And I started recording songs for it. Usually I can pump out stuff very quickly because it's just me here. Yeah. But I really took my time because a lot of these songs that came out didn't need to see the light of day. They were a little vulnerable yeah. and like more like journal entries. And we don't publish okay. journal entries in this house. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rude. <laughs> Rude to publish a journal entry. When you write a song, do you think do you are you already thinking when you're writing it about what who's going to hear it and what they might think about it do you have those thoughts or, or what the potential life of that song is or do you write for yourself strictly first and then decide what's a journal entry and what's meant for the public that's a great question because uh, it's nice to chat with another producer because that's a very knowing question um I suppose the answer is that I do it for myself and like I make the stuff that I want to listen to because like I'm customer number one. Yeah. You know, the, like the reason I invented the yes voice thing, it's more like discovered the yes voice thing. 
I'm patient zero. I'm the one that needs it most. Depressed character a lot of times I am. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I need this medicine that I'm making. That's what I'm using it for. I make it because I need to make it. Yeah. Uh, so I, in the end, the answer is I make what I need to make. Um, but I sometimes will imagine I'm other people when I play instruments. I just imagine there's this guy named Jay Lemon. He was the uh, professor at my school when I went to college to get my degree. Um, and he taught me piano. And like he just had this really slappy kind of way to play piano. And I just, it always, it was like playing hand drums or something. Yeah. And it spoke to me somehow. And he turned yeah. me on to Steely Dan and that became a huge influence on my piano playing. Yeah. So like I, that's, I guess, how other people influence the mix. I just pretend I'm them because I think like they're great. If I could imagine them playing the piece, I'm happy, you know, and he's the yeah. guy I pretend to be. Well, in these songs, I mean, maybe you were actually taking on these people playing the piece when you recorded too, because you're recording all these parts at home and producing it all completely yourself, correct? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, unless I have a guest. On this album, I have like one guest that sings, and his name is Greg Benton. Cool. And he's a, the lead vocalist in Native Station, which is a great local band. Awesome. Um, yeah, they, he'd be a great interview because he's one of the most brilliant people I know um, and a, a deep, a deeply talented poet. Um, Greg Benton, the, the band is Native Station. They have a relatively new album out and it's just wonderful. Um, so I have him singing with me on this tune called Winter on the Moon. And he kind of, he sings the verses. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that wasn't your voice. No, yeah, that's Greg. When I released it as a single, I had it in parentheses featuring Greg Benton, you know. Yeah. But for some reason, the editor, just the editor, Andy Eppler, decided like, I'll just make it clean all the way through or whatever. And then because I just published a book that goes with the album, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's a big art book and he gets a big paragraph about how wonderful he is in that. So. And, and so what, what were you going for with this record vibe wise? Because I know there's some rock influences. There's some funk in there. There's horn parts throughout that you, that you did MIDI, as you were saying before the interview on the keys. Um, and you've got some, some Tom Waits in, in your vocals. I mean, what was, who were you, uh, what's your elevator pitch for this record? Oh man, what's my elevator pitch? What a, what a, what a like, classic question, right? I'm sorry. When I was 25, I'd have been like, oh, I have this memorized before I show up to the thing. No, you know, I didn't even think about it that way. My elevator pitch is, yo, if you like me, you're going to like this. Yeah. You know, it's it's sexy, middle America R&B. Absolutely. And and there's an art book with it, too. What yeah. inspired that is, does each song have a, a piece of art? <laughs> yes. I think it's 113 pages. Um, uh, and each song has like um, cover art for the song, then the lyrics on the next page, and then the next page is notes about the song, production notes, um, philosophical notes about the song. That's usually just one page. Uh, and then it's got like up to six art pieces themed to that song each yeah. there, and there are you know like 
11 or 12 lyric tunes and then more instrumental tunes on the album, which they don't need pages in the art book, but the art book is mostly watercolor paintings, liquid light, um, some acrylic paintings, some photography work, um, some sexy photography work. Um, and um, was there anything else? Digital manipulated artwork. How do people get this? I, you know, d is this something where you can buy the album and the artwork all together? Is it a package? It's all free. Um, I'm not charging for anything on this album. Um, the, you can go to my website and there's a link. I mean, everybody's already listening on streaming. That's great. I get little checks from that. I'm happy. Yeah. For the art book, you, there's a link on my website, andyepler.com. Uh, it's just called the Broke Down Deluxe Art Book. You click yeah. the link in the menu and uh, it'll take you to Scribd and you can just download it as a PDF file for free. Yeah. Oh, that's that's excellent. One other thing I wanted to mention about this record. Um, I, I, my very first, as I scrolled down because I was like, okay, as I'm going to listen to this, what am I getting myself into? Is this a dog walk worth of music or is this like, you know, a drive, uh, you know, to the mountains and back worth of music and yours is the latter. There's 34 songs. It's two hours and six minutes long. And I noticed the second half was instrumental. So I said, well, what's going on here? And you've got a mid-tro, you've got an intro, you've got an outro, and you've got a mid-tro. And in the mid-tro, you dismiss the vocalist, which is you, and you tell the band to do another take of all the songs just instrumentally, which I think is hilarious. And you play the whole album again with no lead singer. And that's yeah. your album. Yeah. It's sort of like in the intro, you hear this band kind of like get talked to through the box, like what 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 we feel. And when we go to the studio, if any artist has been there, you're there, it's the big room. And over the little box, they go, or in your headphones, they'll be like, how you doing in there? You get ready to play your little song or whatever, you stupid idiot. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, sound men are very uh, condescending. Excuse me, they are. And either you've got wonderful sound men or you've got these guys that couldn't get in a band. And then they are also working <laughs> at the studio. Yeah. So like assholes in the business often trickle into the sound booth. And sorry, I've dealt with a lot of great sound men. And this is not a commentary about all sound men. Note, 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 asterisk, asterisk, whatever. Yeah. Don't send me a letter. Yeah. Uh, or don't, don't mute my guitar next time I'm playing a show. I don't think all sound guys are assholes, but the percentage isn't zero. It's not zero. It's not zero. And, and, it, and it might even be a slightly higher percentage than a lot of other professions. Just saying. Bands got to work with each other and shit. Sound guy, he just goes home or whatever. Doesn't have to have any boundaries or resolve any emotional issues with the other fellows around or whoever it is. Hey, just wait and see if this isn't the last time either of us play in this town. <laughs> whatever I play it. I don't, whatever i i love to play shows and i love sound man and my album has this kind of like asshole sound man character yeah and the asshole goes like oh you guys plugged in let's get a sound check and the band starts doing this funky sexy thing and he like mutes it almost immediately yeah, yeah that's fuck, that whatever <laughs> and then he pushed like push play or whatever and then the band plays like the whole album you know yeah you know as if it's one take or something like that and then the guy kind of like 
I don't know, 11 or 12 songs in, comes back and he's like, yeah, yeah, that was fine. I think we got that. And like, we don't like the guy with the tie. Why don't you send him outside to the car, whatever the fuck. And they kick the, the main vocalist out. Yeah. And so then we get to hear just the band do the songs again. And that's really, as a business choice, it was because I, I want licensing opportunities for both things. Right. So you might as well just put them out together. Sure. Well, I thought that was very interesting because everybody tells you to get instrumentals of your masters. If you're a musician, you've ever put out and you're listening to this and you've ever put out music, you have your instrumentals in a hidden Dropbox folder from your ex drummers, you know, archive of of forgotten things. Because if you get a song placed, say, you know, you, you put out, you know, your song, I want to get high forever and you get it placed chances are um, CSI New Orleans doesn't want the lyrics. They want the they instrumental version. And I'm like, you, you beat you beat the system because you put out the instrumentals in the initial album. And they're remixed with slightly different pieces in there. That's, oh, cool. Yeah, they they have sort of like um, little little different mix, little different volume, and then like solos you might not have expected to be there from the other pieces yeah we have all these lyrics in the way once we pull the like context out of the music uh we just put in like a nice horn section solo or something like that suddenly there's room for that so that's the other reason to do it as an artist yeah oh i love that i love that um so some of these other i guess we've, we've touched on the visual art a little bit when did you start doing watercolor and liquid light and acrylic painting and i mean if you're not an amateur painter thank you you know uh, it's great stuff how'd you get into it how long have you been doing it so oh, um maybe for like 15 years you know i've been painting a long time i love painting um uh most of my album covers have been handmade pieces especially the prairie scholars work um, all those album covers are completely beautiful. One's a diorama, like, you know, like I've, I've always loved album covers. Yeah. But ever since Long and Lonesome Way in 2011, I, I went through like this handmade phase and it was, oh, oh it got me off in all the ways. Yeah. Um, just, you know, twisting wires and stuff. But painting has always been a part of my life, basically. You know, I'm 35. I must have been doing it since I was, I don't know, 20 or earlier, maybe. So a long time, however long that is. Um, not as long as guitar and music, but I always thought about it as sort of a second language, you know? Yeah. And then a few years ago, must have been six years ago, eight years ago, whatever, my uncle came to town, my uncle Jim Epler. And actually these are his pieces back here. This Oh, one. wow, yeah. Beautiful. I should. I, I got to get like more of a backdrop to do these kinds of things with. Yeah. I'm look at my shelf. I'm starting to feel like an idiot. No, it looks great. A modern sex magic book. Um, <laughs> so my uncle came over and he's uh, he's doing watercolor and he just loves it. And he's like, you've got to try it. And I got an opportunity to take an art lesson from like one of my heroes, my uncle. And so I sat down. I never was interested in watercolor. But he showed me the, how to do it. And somehow the fact that he showed me how to do it made me more interested in it. 
And then I, I use it however I use it, but I learned the kind of like, I don't know, the joy of it from him, you know? It's not like other paint, you know? It's, it's puddle management, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, that, that differs from acrylic. Oh yeah, acrylic just, you could put it there and God, it just stays right there. Yeah. It just stays right there. And the watercolor thing, it's, there's way more attention to pay, you know? And for me, the more attention it costs, the better it feels. Yeah. And so, you know, managing a puddle that I need it all to be wet, but I need this color to stay here largely. And I need this color to mostly stay here, but yeah. it's all a puddle. And right. I just need it to hang out for like a while and not move microcurrents and stuff start happening it's beautiful that's what we do with liquid light as well it's all about these micro movements in in a little puddle oh it's beautiful so what exactly is liquid light liquid light is uh an old practice actually but has somehow fallen out of popularity um it is a bowl of water or a lensed piece of glass you know, like slightly concave or whatever, um, with a little puddle in it on an overhead projector. And it's shooting out it magnifying and shooting across the garden or whatever, wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, of course. And you're adding dyes and oils and it's like a lava lamp effect, largely. Wow. It's, oh, it's so good. There's so much philosophically that just tickles me about liquid light. And I've been doing a lot of work with it over the years. And I've, I've, I've gotten surprisingly good with puddles, first of all. Yeah. And, and it's, it's actually, there's one more ingredient, it's isopropyl alcohol, because that changes the surface, temperature, uh, the surface tension for the oil on the, yeah. the, that's riding on top of the water. It's a wonderful project. Wow, I, I, that's something I've never really heard much about people have done it since like the late 50s i can find but there's surprisingly little information about it yeah and i'm trying to spread the good gospel about this thing because like it's not hard to put together you know what i'm saying you anybody can do it at their house or in their front yard it's a mess uh if you if you spill it it's all the worst things it's um i'm using oh boy this for some reason this formula was so hard to find yeah. Here I am just giving it out for free. But like the ingredients really are water. Sure. How do you dye the water? You have some choices there. Food coloring is the go-to. That's what people think. That's bullshit. The best thing to use is tie-dye dye. You get it at Walmart or whatever, give you the whole rainbow with powder and you just shake it up and yeah. squirt them in. It's perfect. Water tie-dye dye. Yep. And then you have to use a clear oil. Uh, it turns out the best oil to use that I've found is mineral oil, which you can find in the laxative section of your store. Now, here's why you should wear gloves is because you're going to get this all over your hands. Oh, I learned this on my own. Yeah. And I can attest to it. But you need and you, what you will buy at the store is you will buy dye, you will buy laxative, and you will buy rubber gloves and that is what you're going to the checkout with okay people are going to ask questions and you just shouldn't answer them i also bought two clocks 
that's how I got my glass at first. Because the other thing that's tough to come by is the glass that's shaped the right way. It has to hold the puddle in the middle. Yeah. So it has to be like one of those domed front clocks. Right. That's that's the first way I was getting it. But then I started buying from a clock repair place on the internet. And that turned out to be way better. But I was, I bought two clocks and took them apart and took the glass and you can like smush it together. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. It's wonderful. The other fucking, oh boy, I'm going to talk a little too much about this if you don't mind. No, yeah, go for it. (laughs) The other tough thing that I ran across with that project was how do you dye the oil? Mineral oil is clear. It's perfect. And it makes these perfect spheres on the overhead projector. It's wonderful. And you need them to be different colors. Right. Oh, you can't use powder. You can shake it all afternoon, which I did. And you will find that all you get is like forearm muscles. You will not get colored dye ever. Yeah. You will not get colored oil ever. You never will. Um, what I ended up using was candle dye. Okay. And that will go into the oil. So it's like, that was like, that must've been six weeks of trying shit and just like looking it up and being like, how do you dye oil when it's like this? It took me forever for some reason. Maybe I was doing other things. It wouldn't have taken me six weeks if I wasn't doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. But you you found a way to do it. And anybody who is looking for a new art medium, you are giving the heavy yes voice to liquid light. I feel like I'm the only dude doing it. And that just ain't right. Somebody's going to be great at it. I love it. They don't know how to do it. I love it. Someone's going someone's to listen to this episode and do it. And, and now I have to ask you, too, about your other art medium, because, it, you know, my job is to ask curious questions. You've done some erotic film work. Oh, yeah. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. I that, believe that's me. a whole other creative art world of Andy or Andy. Yeah. Well, which Ando, actually, Andy did that. That's Ando, okay. Because that's visual work. Yeah. Um, and it's silly. And that's Ando's job. He's all chief of the silly thing. Um, So like I've done the liquid light with like beautiful models uh, against a white backdrop in the big uh, racquetball court, for instance. I've done that photo shoot. That was so moving to me. And working with, I, I work with one particular company called Spark Erotic. And they, I think, make really noble work. Um, And I'm, I'm very much about exploring pleasures in a noble way. I want to like leave good things in my, you know, after I leave a room, I want people to be like, that was awesome. That guy's great or whatever. I don't be like that. He couldn't have left soon enough or whatever. I want to leave good smell in the room, you know, vibrationally hippie way speaking. And um, I feel like, Sexual freedom is a topic that, especially during the Me Too movement, one thing that seemed to have, that one thing that rose to the surface that I could see in society was there's so much repression and shame around sex that a lot of people are just out there feeling like they're on their own to figure out what it is in the world that, what, what does it mean for me? What is my relationship to sex? And especially pre-internet, 
that was a really tough thing for folks, you know? But even now it seems like a really important topic for artists to talk about. And I never really thought about talking that way or making that kind of work. Um, I've, I've worked with politics as a theme. I've worked with religion as a theme my whole career, especially in my music. Yeah. But if I want to work with sexuality as a theme, it makes sense to work at that from a visual context. And so I work with these guys and um, I don't know, I try and like really put my full heart into projects. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wouldn't dare show up and have other people, you know, you get naked in front of a camera and we'll make the art or whatever. So at some point it was appropriate for me to get in front of the camera to make the art. And it was for me sort of like a rite of passage of like, oh, he thinks that he, he will make art or whatever. But when given the opportunity to make deep, real art, that it wasn't like I made a movie, right? So it wasn't me like showing up being like, oh, who ordered the pizza or what, whatever. It was like high <laughs> art. Right. This thing that we made was this beautiful, expressive, visually interesting, colorful thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I just couldn't have been more moved by it. And it's all my best friends that I've made over the last few years. I, I can proudly say I've been hanging out with these folks for, I don't know, it must be three years now. I love those people very much. It was like a small community of, you know, erotic film stars and production folk and just like cool people that kind of like very small group, but they're like used to each other. And we're like a small family. I've been lucky enough to be in that. Um, and I think, I think that group makes high level art that a lot of people are afraid to make, I, that I was at one time afraid to make. Uh, because of my own hangups, you know? Yeah. Part of my healing is facing my fears. And part of my destiny as an artist is to be publicly vulnerable and be honest about my human, my human experience, which is the thing that everybody seems to hide, you know? And now does this come full circle for you in terms of do, doing this type of art? Does that carry any influence back to your music or your painting? Absolutely. Um, sensuality has become a real theme for me, you know, and trying to take it out of this shame place and put it back into this like beauty connection place, you know, this sort of like worshipful place, this sort of like healing and not um, aggressive and uh, inappropriate, but welcoming and friendly kind of context yeah a lot of my art has been trending about that lately as i try and open up myself as well you know i've been doing like modeling work if you'd have told me 10 years ago that i'd i'd like go and take modeling pictures with me in a turtleneck holding some flowers or whatever i'd have been like that don't sound right you might check the address on this destiny or whatever yeah 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 you know? But my real destiny is to follow my heart, right? Like every artist's destiny is. And I just don't care, you know, sometimes I, I really have to let go of how it looks. Right. You know? I need to make that art. I need to make art about things that I need to see art about. 
I make songs that I want to listen to, right? I make art I need to see. I'm customer number one because like only I will ever be able to make shit I like. Really? I'm that picky. You know, I don't like most music. I'm not really a user on that level. I'm more of a dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Just my thing. I listen to some music like Durand Jones and the indications like Lee Fields and the expressions. Um, I've been in a Joe Cocker kind of vibe around the house lately. Of course. I just, I love music, but I don't, I feel the need personally to be expressive publicly. I think it's like the lesson I've learned from my favorite artists that I've studied is that the more I project my heart, the more people realize we're, we all have these things in common. And no matter how vulnerable I'm being, it's really something we're all experiencing on some level. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been, it's uh, wrapping up. It's been great chatting with you and uh, loved everything you have to say. And it's cool that you use all these different uh, forms of art in what you do. And it's very connected to you as a person as well. And um, yeah, looking forward to, listening i think we'll probably all get to listen to a track now right oh that would be awesome yeah yeah so um yeah thanks for coming on and look forward to chatting with you again thank you very much thank you so much for having me thanks brother all right andy epler thanks for coming on brother man appreciate it that was a lot of fun as always, interesting dude. Chad had a great conversation. It flowed easy. It was great. Um, as always, if uh, you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or death threats, you can direct them to me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. And if you're in a position to help out this podcast in a monetary way, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. Just $3 a month, less than the cup, less than the price of a cup of coffee. I can never say that right, no matter how many times I say it. You can support my artist career and help keep this podcast going and growing. Um, and if you want to help out in a not monetary way, totally, totally fine. Just as good. In fact, give me a rate and review. Almost just as good. Give me a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Or you can subscribe to the YouTube channel where all of these episodes air and you can see our beautiful faces as we talk. YouTube.com slash just my name. Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. Okay, thanks so much for listening as always. And uh, I'll chat with you next week. Here's I Want to Get High Forever by Andy Epler to send things out. I want to get high forever I want to turn my lungs to leather It's a worthwhile endeavor for me They like to say I ain't so clever Or running away from whatever But I'm getting high forever and being free yeah, my critics try to drag me through the mud Because of how much I burn through bud Yeah, but there's no way they can bring me shame 
I can't remember my name I wanna get high forever I wanna turn my lungs to leather It's a worthwhile endeavor for me They like to say I ain't so clever Or running away But whatever Yourself, and I'll do the same.